So far we've seen uh, in session one, a reality check, our lives should serve as a welcome mat uh, into the church. And session two, we've seen open arms. Welcoming others goes beyond a friendly handshake. In session three, gracious hospitality. Ground your service and love in hospitality. And so today we're going to be looking at intentional love as we continue our six-week study on how to be a more welcoming church. Are we learning anything about being a, becoming a more welcoming church? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. We getting anything from it? Yes. Yeah. Okay. It's applying it. It's applying it. Okay. So we need to continue our endeavor on connecting and engaging people in our church. Okay, let me give you the setting before we go to our first question. Here's the setting. The time of Jesus' earthly ministry was drawing to a close. Therefore, Jesus determined that it was time for him to journey to Jerusalem, where he would suffer, die, and rise from the dead. A couple of passages. Uh, Luke 9, uh, 51 says, When the days were approaching for his ascension, he was determined to go to Jerusalem. And then uh, that's... Uh, Luke chapter 9, 21 to 22 says, But he warned them and instructed them not to tell this to anyone, saying, The Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and be raised up on the third day. And then Luke 9, 44 says, Let, those, let these words sink into your ears, for the Son of Man is going to be delivered into the hands of men. And so during this journey, an expert in the law, as a scribe, approached Jesus asking him what he, that is the scribe, must do to inherit eternal life. And we know the story, the rest of the story, right? But that gives us an idea, that gives us a setting uh, for our study today as we look at intentional love. First question on page 37. When was a wrong turn, when has a wrong turn led to a pleasant surprise? When have you had that experience? You were going somewhere and you made a wrong turn. But it turned out to be a pleasant surprise. Huh? A dead end. <laughs> a dead end? <laughs> dead end is a pleasant surprise? <laughs> On our honeymoon, um, we were on our way back to Dallas going through, um, not Oklahoma, well maybe it wasn't Oklahoma, and we um, tried to get to a certain place and we ended up at this beautiful crystal clear um, beach, like, uh, you know, where you could jump off rocks into the water. It was really fun and it was totally unexpected. Mm. Cool. Okay. When I used to go to offshore bank, I was engaged in Sayona. My boss came to me and said he was sitting in his office. And I went and I went back. Can everybody hear? Oh, no, no, no. Speak a little louder. <laughs> when I was engaged, Nathaniel, I was working in offshore, 
office. My boss said he wanted to see me, and I was kind of afraid of him. Yeah, right. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what did I do? I reached in the boardroom, and he had a pleasant surprise here. Oh, fine. Okay. Yeah, anytime the boss calls you, that, that's kind of scary, isn't it? <laughs> Pack your bags. Pack your bags. That happened to me when I was retiring. Retiring. My last day at work, when I was walking out the door, they called me back. Said, um, my manager wanted to see me at England. Department that I was bringing in. Mm. And she kept me there talking and talking and talking and talking and talking. <laughs> Stalling. Yeah. And then they said, just said, they say, oh, someone down in the cafeteria um, want to see you. And I didn't have the slightest idea. Clueless. She hung out down there in lunchtime. And mm. when I walked out, it was a big surprise. That's the way they do it. Okay, let's look at uh, Bible meets life. What do the following have in common? Alexander Fleming found mold in a petri dish that killed all the bacteria around itself. We now have penicillin. Percy Spencer walked in front of a magnetron and the peanut butter candy bar in his pocket melted. This led him to create the microwave oven. <laughs> On a hike, Georges de Mestrel noticed Burr's clean in his pants. This gave him the idea for Velcro. <laughs> wow. <laughs> All these discoveries were made by accident. They stumbled onto a discovery that would shape part of history going forward. <coughs> These may have been happy accidents, but we can't approach the Christian life that way. Following Jesus does not mean stumbling around in the dark hoping for a good result. Following Jesus is an intentional act of obedience. If we desire to be a welcoming people, we won't get there by accident. We will only get there through intentional acts of love. It's a standard of love that goes the extra mile. Okay. Following Jesus is an intentional act of obedience. It's not an accident. What's the point? Go out of your way to love others. Go out of your way to love others. Let's pray. Lord, Again, we thank you for your presence in our midst. We pray, Lord, that you would help us love others the way that you love us and that you've demonstrated your love toward us in the precious and special gift of your Son. Thank you, Father, for the incredible acts of love that you have demonstrated in our lives up to this point. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Okay, let's look at the first passage we have, Luke chapter 10, verses 25 to 28. Just read the, the verse, the passage. Then an expert in the law stood up to test him, saying, Teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? 
What is written in the law? He asked him. How do you read it? He, Jesus answered, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. You've answered correctly, he told him. Do this and you will live. Okay, look at question number two. When has your love for God prompted you to love other people? When has your love for God prompted you to love other people? In other words, your love for God inspired you, moved you, motivated you at, at, at some particular point in your life like it's never done before to love other people. When has that ever happened in your experience? That happens for those of us that are Wednesday morning at Inasmuch. Mm -hmm. It happens week after week. Okay. We, uh, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, my heart is touched continually by the uh, needs and the sincerity of uh, desire for help and mm. appreciation of love, whether it's through smiles or touch or tangible things. Yeah, that's a unique experience. Anybody else? So for me, it happens that at times it just would be that people. Excuse me. Okay, go ahead. Sorry. There are times I come across people who are in need and um, I would um, give them a little money. Dollars, whatever I can afford, mm -hmm. and um, then I would go as far as asking them, why you? Because some of them look like they could work, mm -hmm. and mind you, not because they look like they could work. They have issues going on in their lives that prohibit them from not working, and they sometimes they tell me their stories, you know, why they are there, and that happens all the time. Okay, good. Okay, this one from uh, someone gave you this. Yeah, Naomi. Okay. The lady, the little girl who lives in the neighborhood. Her name uh -huh. is Naomi. Okay, Naomi gave you this. Yes, she came and hugged me and gave me that. Oh, okay. Dear Deancia, thank you for dropping me home and for taking me out uh, for camp. Thank you for taking out taking out your time to pick me up. I had the best summer, and I'd like to. I'd like to you. I'd like to you the best time I had going to the beach and to Adastra Gardens and going to the movies. Sincerely, love, Naomi Zani. Good. Very good. See, when you motivate some, when God motivates you to love others, you get that kind of response. Okay, it, it's amazing how it will impact the life of another person more than you could ever imagine. What happened, Albert? Because they did not, she is just in the situation, I had a gas, I 
Now what do you do? What she went to the office? I told but she rang the doorbell and nobody didn't come to the door. No, nobody would answer the door. Okay. <laughs> okay, brother um, Edgecombe, sorry to interrupt, go ahead. My love for God inspires me to help others on a daily basis. When I'm driving along the street, when I see the poor um, begging, um, I, I just can't. It's difficult for me to pass them by without helping, without giving them some money to help them. Now, I saw an incident this week that I have to reprimand this guy when I see him next. I give him money all the time, but I saw him smoking. Mm. Oh, yeah. So the next time I see him on the street, I'm going to tell him, I'm not giving you this money to endanger the health of your body. But I'm giving you this money to help to nourish your body, you know. So, and uh, these situations and condition um, pricks my heart. What Christ said: When you saw me hungry, did you fed me? When you saw me naked, did you clothe me? When you saw me sick, did you come to help me? So, these are the things that should. Pick up hard every day, mm-hmm. you know, especially the poor. You know, a lot of people pass the poor by and not have a heart. But these are examples <clears throat> that, um, out of God's love, to love and help, especially the poor. Yeah. Okay. Good. Let's look at the paragraphs uh, beneath that verse that we read. <laughs> Jesus used a powerful story to teach us what it looks like to intentionally love others. But to fully understand the meaning of the story, we must understand the occasion when Jesus told it. The story of the Good Samaritan was prompted by a question from an expert in the law. Some questions are pure in their intent. A person typically desires to know a certain piece of information. That information may even be vital to their health or future. In those cases, just asking the question is an act of humility, or in asking we are admitting our shortcoming in not knowing the answer ourselves. But that's not the attitude that prompted this question. This expert of the law asked a critically important question, but his question was not born of a humble search. This was instead a prideful examination. He had no desire to hear truth from Jesus. Instead, he stood up to test him. 
His question was meant to demean and discredit Jesus. Jesus answered the question by asking one of his own, and knowing the man was an expert in the law, he asked the question in terms of the law. This gave the man what he really wanted, an opportunity to showcase his knowledge. In this man's mind, he already knew the answer to his own question. To inherit eternal life, he must love God with his entire being and love his neighbor as himself. Indeed, this was the right answer, though the young expert failed to understand the true implications of those commands. Okay, next page. One such implication is that these two great loves which summarize all the commands of Scripture are linked together. Our love for God comes first from the fact that He loved us in 1 John 4, 19, and that love drives and shapes our love for others. That means our love for others should have these qualities. First, we love others unreservedly. God is no respecter of persons, nationality, ethnicity, education level, and social standing do not limit or regulate his love. We should not withhold our love for someone based on external appearance, familiarity, or any other reason. Secondly, we love others sacrificially. How much did God's love for us cost him? It cost him the life of his one and only son. This is the highest price he could have paid. Yet God was willing to back up his love with action. Thirdly, we love others proactively. God's love is not an ivory tower kind of love. <clears throat> Rather, he got down in the muck and mire of a sinful world in the person of Jesus Christ. He did not wait for humanity to cry out to him, but instead he took the initiative to come to us. We must also be the first movers. Okay, very good. That uh, verse, first uh, John, we love because he first loved us. That's why we love, and we ought to keep that in mind. Uh, we love because he first loved us. Couple of highlights. Our main points from the passage we want to look at are those three basic points, um, bullet points that were mentioned. We love others unreservedly. We should not withhold our love for someone based on circumstances, whether it's external, familiarity, or any other reason. And many times people do that. Okay, that's a familiar thing. It's a common thing that people do. Uh, and then we love others sacrificially. How often do we do that? Do we make a sacrifice in demonstrating our love for others? Are we willing to be deprived of our, ourselves in order to demonstrate that love for others? Sacrificial love. God was willing to back up his love with action. Question is, are we willing to do that? That's what loving intentionally really means. And then we love others proactively. God's love is not an ivory tower kind of love, okay? Uh, so those three points we're going to keep in mind. Um, let's look at the other... Let's move on. Time is moving away from us now. Our, our love for God is tied to our love for others. In the next verses, we see that we fail to love 
when we are indifferent to others. So let's look at verses 29 to 32. But wanting to justify himself, he asked Jesus, And who is my neighbor? Jesus took up the question and said, A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell into the hands of robbers. They stripped him, beat him, and fled, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down that road. When he saw him, he passed by on the other side. In the same way, a Levite, when he arrived at the place, saw him pass by on the other side. Okay, continue. Although Jesus answered the man's question, he was not satisfied. He wanted a further qualification from Jesus. If this man were to love his neighbor, then he wanted to know specifically who that was. The spirit behind his second question, who is my neighbor, is one of minimalism. The man wanted to know how little he could do with this love your neighbor stuff and still be okay. <laughs> Jesus calls us to love in a much different way. Jesus wants to move us from asking, what's the least I have to do? Or what, to what else can I do? Jesus doesn't give us a glimpse into the thoughts behind the actions of the priests and the Levite, but we surely can imagine all the ways we might have justified their indifference and apathy. The point is, both men found excuses not to help, and it probably wasn't that difficult to do so. Indifference was the easier way, and it still is. Every day we encounter people who are spiritually injured and bleeding on the proverbial roadside. We can always find an excuse for passing them by. It's none of my business. I wouldn't know what to say. I've got enough problems of my own. Someone else is better equipped. At the bottom of any excuse we offer is a simple failure to love. This is the dirty truth of indifference. It is not an attitude of neutrality. It is an outright denial of the call to love others as God loves them. We would do well to recognize our tendency to find excuses. Once we recognize our own internal pull towards indifference, then we will be more prepared to actively fight against such indifference. And we fight indifference through intentional and many times uncomfortable acts of tangible love. Okay. Question number three. Before we look at uh, some comments from that. In what ways do we sometimes justify not helping others in addition to what was listed here in the, in the article? <laughs> Can we add anything to that, to that list? That you're too busy. This was too busy? Okay, don't have no time. What else? You're skeptical as to the truthfulness of their need. Right. That's, I think, what I've run up against living here in the Bahamas as never before. Yeah, that's a major one. You know, because uh, as uh, Brother Edgkin said about the fellow he saw smoking after he helped him, you know, we often run into situations like that. And so we're kind of skeptical as to whether the person who's looking for the help is genuine or they are responsible. I think responsible would probably be a better word. Because I, I remember helping a lady one time um, outside the store. I was going in and 
I, she was asking for stuff, and, and so I went and I bought the stuff she was asking for, and I gave it to her. And next time I saw her, she had a bear in one hand and a cigarette in the other hand, right? Uh, and so, you know, it makes you kind of skeptical as to whether this woman is, she really wants to help herself or not. And so I think one of the, the, the ways that um, we try to justify not helping others is, is how others abuse the help that they do get. Also, when people are asking for a ride on the road, you don't know who's coming. Yeah, that's another thing. Okay, let's go back to the paragraph. Although Jesus answered the man's question, he was not satisfied. Mm-hmm. He wanted a further qualification from Jesus. This man, uh, if this man were to love his neighbor, then he wanted to know specifically what that was. At the bottom of any excuse we offer is a simple failure to love. This is the dirty truth of indifference. It is an attitude of neutrality. It is an outright denial of the call to love others as God loved us, loves us. We would do well to recognize our tendency to find excuses. Once we recognize our internal pull toward indifference, then we will be more prepared to actively fight against such indifference. And we fight indifference through intentional and many times uncomfortable acts of tangible love. Okay, so that's a challenge there for us. The next verses uh, show us that we are commanded to love even when it's costly or inconvenient. So let's look at that other passage that we have. Uh, Verses 33 to 37. Someone can go ahead and read that, please. But the Samaritan on his journey came up to him, and when he saw the man, he had compassion. He went over to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil, pouring on olive oil and wine. Then he put him on his own animal, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. The next day he took out to the nearer, gave them to the innkeeper, and said, Take care of him. When I come back, I will reimburse you for whatever extra you spend. Which of these three do you think proved to be a to the man who fell into the hands of the robbers? The one who showed mercy in him, he said. And Jesus told him, Go and do the same. Okay, continue. The lawyer whose question led to this story had sought to justify himself by doing a bit, as little as possible for his neighbor. Jesus gave the Jews a hero that he, they hated because of his race. And yet his, this Samaritan went above and beyond reasonable expectation in order to help someone in need. As he looked at the intentional act of love and mercy, the Samaritan should we are to do the same. One, be people of awareness. We must make it our business to be people of awareness. We must educate ourselves on the lives and issues facing the individual we encounter each day. Until we do, we will always seem to be passing on the other side of the world. Two, be people of compassion. The Samaritan in the story went wasn't motivated because the crowd was watching him. He was a 
eternal reward awaited by compassion. We should ask God to fill us with the same loving compassion that motivated Jesus to be the friend of the friendless, the people of Elijah. The reasons the Samaritan was able to give of his resource is because he had built, he had built in some margin. This is a good lesson for us because most of us have zero margin in our lives. We should assume God will bring needs into our path every day. It actually cost us the range of schedules, finances, and other resources to have room to meet the need. Okay. Uh, look at question number four before we look at some of those points. When has someone taken risk or made sacrifices to demonstrate God's love to you? Can you remember that, an occasion of like that happening? One time I was in the food store <coughs> and um, <coughs> I went in my bag to get can you all hear her in the back? I was in the food store one time shopping and I was at the cash register. Mm -hmm. And um, I gave the cash register to the she came too. But I needed to get some couple of cents from the lady behind me. She said, Don't worry about it. I had it in my hand. I found it and I had it in my hand. She said, Don't worry. I said, No, I have it. She said, No. I said, I don't want you to stop my blessing. I'm going to pay for you. Okay. All right. Anybody else? Yeah. Like when we came back from vacation, we didn't get in until about 3 or 4 a.m. And so my secretary, she's very good. She lives in the East and everything, and she came to get us. And my, even my own sister says, she ain't coming. Let me get to that and see whatever and get to that home. And I, I just, you know, I mean, I can always rely on her. And she goes out of her way like that, you know, to anyone, not just me because I'm a boss or whatever. Mm -hmm. But you know, it's like anybody in need, and she's coming all the way from east to the airport. We live up west, and she has to go back by herself. And it's like three, four o'clock in the morning. Mm. So you know what I mean? It's, yeah, that's, and doing yeah. it willingly as well, not because it's an obligation or anything. Uh -huh. so. Okay. Very good. Okay. Notice the main points uh, as we look at the intentional acts of love and mercy the Samaritan showed. We are to do the same. Notice what he says, the three points there. Be people of awareness, be people of awareness, be people of compassion, and be people of margin. Question number five. How can the truths of these verses help our group be more welcoming? Help us as a group, as a class, uh, be more welcoming? Um, to me, I think if you just stop what you're doing, although you have a, you have certain things you want to accomplish, like in the day, like in this group or whatever, mm -hmm. if someone comes and they they need help or whatever, just stop what you're doing because I, I, it was just occurring to me just now, you know, the Lord sent them in your path. So if you needed to make a couple dollars or whatever at work today, He's going to provide that for you, although because He sent that person. Mm -hmm. So, even though you may feel busy and you shouldn't stop what you're doing because you're busy at work or whatever, you probably should stop because, you know, he'll provide for you. He sent the person to you for a reason. How about the lady who just been here? Yeah, <laughs> the lady who just been here. Yeah, so, like that kind of thing. 
Okay. The answer to all of this is to just apply everything that we have been reading and discussing this morning. All right. But sometimes we miss it because we say we're busy and you're going to hurry up and drive by or whatever. Come see, you miss it. Okay, so application. What's the point? Go out of your way. In other words, let your life become inconvenient in the process of loving others. Okay, let's look at um, uh, how we can flesh this out. As uh, Brother Edgecombe just said, page 44, live it out. We might accidentally stumble upon a situation that requires our help, but none of us are going to accidentally love and serve someone else. We can only do this with intention. Choose one of the following applications. One, get to know someone. How intentional are you when you come to worship? This week, intentionally seek someone out you aren't familiar with and ask that person a few questions to get to know him or her. Two, trim your schedule. How much margin is in your life? Evaluate your finances and schedule and cut back so that you have room to meet the needs of others God brings your way. And three, encourage someone. Who is the one person you know that is struggling but to whom you have been indifferent? Schedule a time to sit down with that person this week. All right, so we have three options. Get to know someone, trim your schedule, and encourage someone. You could pick one of those three, you could pick two of those three, or you could pick all three of them. Okay, ask God to guide you and direct you in how you should respond. Let's gear our lives so that we are ready to intentionally take advantage of opportunities God brings our way to express His love, and the key there is God's love, to others. Forget about your love, it's God's love. Okay, the Bible says the love of Christ constrains us, controls us. Let it be so. Amen? Amen.